Acts chapter 3. We'll start reading there in just a few minutes at verse 1. But I want to just remind you what we're doing. So we started last week a series of messages that was intended to be four, um, a series of four messages called Four Square Gospel. And I can't re-preach the message that I preached last week, although uh, it might be beneficial if you weren't, especially if you weren't here last week. But um, I want you to understand that this is not about uh, our church's uh, network of, of ministries and churches that's, uh, around the world called the Foursquare uh, Gospel Church. It's about the gospel. And, but I, as, as I was introducing this series last week, I did help us understand how our family, our part of the global body of Christ called the Foursquare Church, um, you know, that we have a unique role to fill. And uh, the word foursquare means balanced. It also means forthright. It means taking a firm stand, all of those things. But it's really, when it comes to the subject we're dealing with today, it's really a play on words because it stands for the fact that we in our uh, church family believe that the gospel or good news of Jesus Christ has four parts to it. That Jesus is the Savior, that he is the healer, that he is the baptizer in the Holy Spirit, and that he is the coming king. And last week we talked about Jesus as Savior. Today we're going to talk about Jesus as healer. Everybody with me so far? All right. So Acts chapter 3, verse 1. You all got there, and I forgot to turn there, but ha thankfully I have this little thing here that helps me get there really quickly, all right? Now, Peter and John went up together to the temple at the hour of prayer, the ninth hour. So this, is, uh, this happens in a relatively short period of time after the birth of the church on the day of Pentecost. We talked a little bit about that last week. But uh, the church was born with 3,000 people, and the Bible says that daily men and women were added to the church. So God is doing great things in the city of Jerusalem as people are coming to faith in Christ. And it said, we are told that in uh, Acts chapter 2, that they, the believers went daily to the temple and worshipped there. And so J Peter and John are on their way to the temple at the hour of prayer. And a certain man, lame from his mother's womb, was carried, whom they laid daily at the gate of the temple, which is called Beautiful. There is one of the gates to the temple area was called the Beautiful Gate. And this man, who's never been able to walk in his entire life, was carried there daily, every day, to beg for, for his uh, survival, to beg for money, to beg for alms is the word that we're going to encounter here. So he's a beggar, and not the only one. There were lots of people who were infirm or destitute that would have been there this day, waiting for people who are on their way to worship at the temple to ask them uh, for help. And that's what's going on here. Uh, the remainder of verse 2, so he was there to ask alms from those who entered the temple. Verse 3, who, seeing Peter and John about to go into the temple, asked for alms. Peter and John, he didn't know their names, but he said, can you help me? And verse 4 says, fixing his eyes on him with John, Peter said, look at us, look at us. 
And he gets eye contact with this man. Peter, you know, with John, for whatever reason, we'll talk some about this a little bit later, is drawn to this man today and senses something in the Holy Spirit. And he says, look at me, look at me. So he gave them his attention, verse 5 says, expecting to receive something from them. Then Peter said, silver and gold I do not have, but what I do have I give you. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, rise up and walk. And he, Peter, took him, the layman, by the right hand and lifted him up, and immediately his feet and ankle bones received strength. An amazing miracle. So he, the once lame man, leaping up, stood and walked and entered the temple with them, walking, leaping, and praising God. You can imagine the excitement, the thrill of this man who's never walked in his entire life, able to stand and not only walk, but to leap and jump and probably dance a little jig. It says here that in verse 9, all the people saw him walking and praising God. This isn't something that happened in a closet somewhere. This is something that happened right out in the open in public view in a public place where there was lots of people. They saw this thing happening. And verse 10 says, and then they knew that it was he who sat begging alms. Why did they know that? Because he's there every day. They have passed by him every day. And they knew him, that he was the guy that's always there at the, at the beautiful gate. And they were filled with wonder and amazement at what had happened to him. Now let's leave that sort of in the background and turn with me now to Isaiah, back in the Old Testament, the book of Isaiah and chapter 53. Again, if you're not sure where that is, table of contents or a search button on your mobile device. Isaiah 53, we're going to read two verses here, verses 4 and 5. Verse 4, P uh, Isaiah is a prophet. He lives hundreds of years before Jesus was born. So he's not looking back on Jesus' life and ministry. In the spirit, he's looking forward to Jesus' life, and he sees things that, gonna, that are going to be part of the Messiah's ministry, and he tells us a little bit about what he sees. Verse 4, Surely he, the Messiah, has borne our griefs. That word griefs means sicknesses. So he's borne our sicknesses and carried our sorrows. Sorrows means pains. The original words mean both sickness and pains. It says here, he goes to great, uh, in great specificity, he says that he, the Messiah, is going to bear or carry our sicknesses and our pains. Yet we esteemed him stricken, smitten by God and afflicted. But he was wounded. That word means pierced through. You know Jesus uh, bore a crown of thorns. They stuck a spear in his side. They his hands and feet were nailed to the cross. He was pierced through for our transgressions. That means our rebellion. He was bruised or crushed, beaten for our iniquities, the things we do because we are in rebellion against God. So we're talking about sin and sins, right? Sin is the, our rebellion against the rule of God. Our sins are the things that we do because we're in rebellion against God. It says that Jesus came to deal with both of those things. He was pierced through for my rebellion. He was crushed or beaten for my sins. 
The chastisement for our peace was upon him. He was chastened. That word means uh, accusation. He was falsely accused to bring peace to my soul. And by his stripes, and that's a specific term meaning scourging. You know, when they took that, that whip to his back and ripped the flesh off of his back, as gruesome a scene as that was, it was on purpose. And it says the purpose was to provide healing for me and for you. By his stripes, we are healed. In those verses, it's pretty clear that Jesus uh, intended to cover the impact of sin on our lives at every dimension. Every dimension. And the things that he suffered were specifically suffered for the detailed things he was wanting to accomplish. Do you see that there? He was pierced through on purpose. Not just randomly. He was pierced through to deal with my and your rebellion. He was beaten, and the Bible says that he was beaten beyond recognition as a man. He took that punishment, for, that he took that beating to deal with, to cover, to pay the penalty for my sins, the things that I have done in, in, uh, in rebellion against God. And then it says that he was falsely accused. People would line up and try to say things about him to accuse him of something that they could punish him for, and none of it was true. But he took that false accusation so that peace could come to my soul. Well, what does that mean? Well, I don't know. I'm sure you have. I I shouldn't have said I don't know. I do know. I'm sure you have heard the voice of the one that the Bible says is the accuser of the brethren, the devil. He's the one barking in your ear about what a lousy person you are that God could never love and you're the only one that could never satisfy God and uh, deserve his grace. You know that voice? You've all heard that. That's the accuser of the brother and the devil. And Jesus took all of that false accusation so that he would have the authority and the right to cancel all of that false accusation that comes our way and bring peace to our souls. And then it says he, he bore those stripes on his back, not just as part of the whole mess of suffering that he endured, but as a very specific act. His flesh was torn from his body so that he could bring healing to your flesh and bones. He could bring healing to your body. Now, there are some people when they read this, and there are some uh, parts of the Christian church that when they read this, they they want to limit the impact of what's described here as, as just God's provision. And, it, you know, it's unsatisfactory to, say, to use the word just as though it was, would somehow be less than magnificent. But they want to limit what we've just read and discussed to be only applicable to spiritual healing. You know, that Jesus suffered all of this so he could bring spiritual healing, so that he could pay the penalty for my sins, so that I, along with you, could be uh, ransomed for eternity, so that I could spend eternity with God. And how many of you would raise your hand to say, man, I'm grateful for that? Just me and, and Gary. But I think some <laughs> of the rest of you probably are a little bit grateful for that. But there's so much more. Not only was Jesus our Savior, but he's also our healer. In fact, in uh, Matthew chapter 8, verse uh, 16 and 17, we're we're told that 
uh, what Jesus was doing when he went around healing sick people was fulfilling Isaiah's promise. It says, when evening had come, they brought to him many who were demon-possessed, and he cast out the spirits with a word, and he healed all who were sick, that it might be fulfilled, which was spoken by Isaiah, the prophet, saying, he himself took our infirmities. So Matthew, when he was writing his gospel, wanted us to know when Jesus went around healing sick bodies, it was to fulfill Isaiah's prophecy, the one we just read. So this is not just about healing for our spirits and our souls, but for our bodies as well. Now, having said all that, I would like to um, deal with some common questions that, that people have about... Um, I guess I should back up and do this first. It's, I, I don't mean to... To, to sound as though this is not important, but I've kind of already covered, but, covered it. But let me just make sure that we're tracking together. I want to give you today, before we move on, to make sure you know that this is our, our theology of healing. Now, you could take a seminary course for probably six months to a year. I'm going to reduce it to two, about two minutes. Is that okay? <laughs> our theology of healing is that healing is needed. I don't think any of us would disagree with that. There are people sitting right here who could use healing. There are people in the circle of your life that you know could use healing. So it's needed. It hasn't gone... The need for physical healing is as present with us today as it was in Isaiah's time or in Jesus' time. And because of what we've seen in the scriptures, we believe that healing is available. Jesus paid a serious price to make physical healing, divine healing, miraculous divine healing available to those who are sick and that the healing that he provides is not only for the body but for the soul and the spirit as well. He has provided healing for the whole man. That's our theology of healing. Everybody got it? Again, me and Gary are, are doing okay. The rest of you, I'm not sure what's, what's going on with the rest of you, but I'm going to move on. And we're going to talk about some questions that people have about divine healing. Um, and uh, I, I, these are not all the questions that people ask, but these are the ones that I think are the most common and have the most impact on our ability to believe God. So that's why I'm going to deal with them. The first one is, does everyone get healed? Does everyone get healed when we pray for the sick? And the answer to that is no. And... All you got to do is look at Jesus' ministry. In Matthew chapter 8, the passage I read a little bit ago, starting at verse 16, it says, everyone got healed. All of the people who came to Jesus that day, every one of them was healed. No one walked away with the same condition that they brought to Jesus. And you can imagine the, 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 um, the, the physical stamina that it took for him to stand there person after person and minister healing personally to each person. You know, the, the woman who was the founder of the Foursquare Church, her name was Amy Simple McPherson, she was an evangelist who also had a, um, a ministry of healing. She would pray for the sick. And there are uh, medical records and um, uh, newspaper uh, you know, reporters who investigated her ministry. There are, there have been books written cataloging the impact of her healing ministry on people, and it was it was profound, profound. When I say her healing ministry, it was Jesus ministering, and she was just the vessel. She would have said that 
And she would have corrected me just now if she was here. But they would say about her that after she would spend hours, hours praying for the sick, they, could, they would take her shoes off and they could pour the sweat out of them because of just the intensity of that kind of ministry. Jesus did that all over the place. And it says in, uh, in that occasion on, in Matthew chapter 8 that everyone who came to him was healed. However, in Mark chapter 6, it talks about a time when it says few were healed. Not everyone who was there was sick that day with Jesus in their midst walked away healed. We'll talk a little bit about why that was, but I want you to notice that even in Jesus' ministry, not everyone was healed. And then in the apostolic ministry, so we're talking about, let's talk about the story we read a little bit ago, Peter and John at the, at the beautiful gate of the temple, and this man who was miraculously and marvelously healed, but as I've already said, he wasn't the only one there that day who needed healing. Why him? And why that day? Peter and John have passed by him who knows how many times. He's gone every day to the temple and seen him there. Because we're told he was there, that the layman was there every day. And we're also told that the believers went to the temple every day. So Peter and John has passed by him every day. Why this day? Jesus draws their attention to him. And he is healed and the other guys that are there, also sick or infirm, they, they aren't healed. Why is that? I don't know. I'm going to present to you in a little bit some of the answers I believe the Bible gives us to that question. But right now, I just want you to see that not everyone gets healed. In fact, Paul, we're told, he was writing in, to the uh, Christians in Galatia, and he says to them, he says, You know that when I came to you and preached the gospel to you, I was sick. And, he, and it's kind of clear that the, what he was suffering from was some sort of eye condition because it says, I know you guys love me and you would have plucked your own eyes out and given them to me if you could. And then in 2 Corinthians, it talks, Paul talks about this thorn in the flesh that he has and he prays and asks God to take it away and it's likely that those two things go together, that he was not ever really healed of this infirmity that he spoke about to the Galatians. It also says that in 2 Timothy, Paul is writing and he says, I left Trophimus sick. Now, the reason this is important to note is that Paul had a profound healing ministry. Everywhere he went, people were healed. But we're, we're seeing that not everyone was healed. Why is that important to note? Not to diminish faith. I'm not here to say not everyone gets healed so that you will somehow back away from having an, an intense desire to see the healing that Jesus paid such an awful price to make available uh, not um, expected. But here's what we do as Christians. We tend to split it into the either or. You either get healed every time or you never get healed. And so we, we either are the kind of people who just, you know, regardless of the, the actual conditions and circumstances, we just demand that the people be healed or we just, we never talk about it because, you know, sometimes we pray and nothing happens. And so rather than deal with why that might be, we just don't talk about it. I don't believe that Jesus bore those stripes for our healing as the Bible says so that we would not ever talk about it. 
or that we would try to, you know, pursue some unreasonable expectation about healing either. But I want for us to be the kind of people who understand that Jesus died for the saving of all of who we are, spirit, soul, and body, and we want to be people who never shrink back from that, that commitment. So if it's true that not everyone gets healed all the time, why would that be? Why not? Well, here are some of the reasons that the, we see in the scripture. First of all, there's unbelief. In Matthew, uh, excuse me, in Mark chapter six, the part, I, the passage I referred to earlier, where it says that in, when Jesus was there, only a few were healed. It says that the reason they weren't healed is because they're of their unbelief. James chapter one tells us the same thing about how we need to come to God believing. The person who's ministering or praying for the sick person needs to believe. The person who's receiving healing needs to, to believe. And, when, and, and here's the thing that we need to be mindful about that. Is sometimes people, they will uh, assume that that's the only reason that a person wouldn't be healed. And so we blame each other. Sick person in the hospital, you go to visit them, you pray for them, nothing happens. You walk away and say, well, I wish they would have believed more. Worse yet, you tell the person, well, if you just believe harder, then you could get healed. And we walk away and leave that person with so much guilt. I'm sick and dying because I don't have enough faith. Dear God, help me. Oh, what a terrible thing that is. That's not true, but it is clear that faith plays an important part in healing ministry on both sides of that equation. Um, another reason why sometimes people are not healed is because of the law of sowing and reaping. Galatians says we live in a spiritual economy where you reap what you sow. And you might not like that, but it is the way that it is. You know, if you smoke 10 packs a day for your whole life, you're going to have some trouble at some point. And that's not God's fault. And it's, it's, it's my fault. It's your fault. There's a, there's a, sometimes we are not healed because we're paying. If God removes the cause and effect from sin in our lives, we will never learn the lessons we need to learn. It's like your kids, if they're disobedient, but you just keep, you know, giving them stuff, they're gonna, all they're gonna do is take away from that is, well, it doesn't matter. I'll just keep misbehaving. And so God has to allow that environment of sowing and reaping to exist for our own benefit and good. That's one of the reasons sometimes people are not healed. Another reason is that because of unconfessed or unrepented sin. Deuteronomy 28 tells us this in 1 Corinthians 11. If I am continuing, again, sort of what I was just saying, if I am continuing in rebellion against God and expecting him to just cover me, uh, I'm expecting the wrong thing. We have a God who's not raising uh, irresponsible kids. So unrepented, unconfessed sin can play a part in why people, some people are not healed. Also, God's timing. In John chapter 9, there's a story about Jesus encountering a blind man. And some people ask Jesus, Jesus, why is this man blind? Is it because he sinned or because his parents sinned? Whose sin is responsible for this man's blindness? And Jesus said, neither. It, it's for the timing of God. It's so that I could heal him today. Another uh, passage was, um, is in um, uh, uh, John chapter uh, 11 where uh, Lazarus, Jesus' friend, is sick 
and we're told he's so sick he's going to die, Jesus gets this word and stays where he is for three days. And, he, and it says he did so so that he could show up and raise Lazarus from the dead. So there's timing of God involved in all of this. Now, you might not like that, but, you know, you can take that up with God. I mean, I, I, I can't explain all of this. I'm just telling you that the Bible says there is, an, there is a component to all of this that has to do with the timing of God. And there's also God's priorities. I think it would be pretty clear to you that if, if there was a priority or if there was a decision to be made between God healing your sick body Noel, or you spending eternity with him in heaven, I think the, the uh, priority would be clear. Jesus wants you to be with him forever, where there is no sickness, there is no impact of sin on their lives. And so there are times when, uh, look, you know, when I'm sick, I am the, I'm the world's worst patient. My wife will attest to this. I, you know, I get a cold, and I'm praying, God, take me to heaven. I can't stand this. You know, it's like I am a, I'm a whiner. I'm a baby. You probably aren't as bad as me, but I'll bet you when you don't feel well, there's probably nothing else that you're thinking about is, except to get uh, healed or fixed or you have your symptoms relieved. It's like you can't. It's, it's self-absorbing. But God has other priorities. And... So there are times we think, how could, how could this person's serious affliction not be God's number one priority? Look, God loves us, and he wants for us, we're going to talk about this in a minute, he wants for us to experience healing and his blessing. He loves us so much. But there are some things that are more important than your symptoms being relieved. And we just have to kind of get used to that or uh, comfortable with the fact that there's a lot about this we're not going to ever really know for sure but not bail out of the process of believing for healing because we don't see immediate healing all the time now my wife is sitting right here uh, an example of miraculous healing that today every time she goes in to visit the doctor they don't know what to say there was a, a young girl, I, I don't know why I'm thinking about this one right now, but there was a young girl in one of the churches that Sue and I pastored previously that had scoliosis, curvature of the spine, had uh, x-ray documentation uh, diagnosed by two uh, physicians that she needed to have the surgery where they put that metal rod in your spine and fuse it to your, your back. Serious, serious surgery. And... Um, uh, those of us in the church, one day we just gathered around her, prayed for God, healed her. And subsequent x-rays showed no curvature of the spine. God does these things, and he does them because he loves us and because he wants for us to experience healing. But because we have this idea that it's got to be everybody or nobody, because it has to be every time or no time, because we have to have the answer, you know, to every situation, demand that God somehow, um, you know, fit our idea of how things ought to go. We miss a lot of the miraculous things he wants to do. You with me? So if all of that is true, yeah, we, you know, 
that not everyone's going to get healed all the time, and there are some reasons why that would be, then should we pray more than once? I've had people ask me this. Okay, well, so if it's, let me just say this too. Sometimes people think of God as, in terms of how he uh, ministers healing to people as though it was capricious. That word means he just decides someday, all right, I, I like you today, so I'm going to heal you, you know. Or, uh, you know, he, he, God is not that way. Just read, open anywhere in the Bible, you find a God who is not anything like that. Um, so it's, it's not that we have a capricious God. Um, but we get this idea, okay, well then, if, if we can't be certain about this, and I pray for you, and you're not healed, then just, then I, do I just assume, okay, you're not going to get healed and move on? And I, I want to uh, ask you to consider the example of our Savior. In Mark chapter 8, we have this story of Jesus, a blind man, excuse me, comes to him. Jesus takes the blind man aside. He's, he takes him away from the crowd because he's going to spit in his face. Don't ask me why, but he's going to spit in his face. Takes him aside, <laughs> spits in his eyes. Puts his hands on his, this is Jesus now, the son of God. Puts his hands on his eyes. And he says, okay, what do you see? Guy who's been blind from birth, never seen anything. Opens his eyes and he says, well, I see men like trees walking. Jesus says, okay, well, that's, that's better. That's an improvement. Puts his hands back on the guy. And then he says, okay, now what do you see? And the guy says, I see everything perfectly. A guy who's never seen before. Is a, walks away completely healed. But I want you to notice, the Son of God prayed for that guy twice. And we should not give up in our tenacity about holding on to the one who paid this awful price for our healing. We should be willing, and you should be willing, if you're the person needing healing, not to give up on God either. There are other things going on. There, his, there are his priorities. There's other stuff going on. But we are to be people who are committed to praying for the sick. So we pray uh, until we get an answer, either the physical healing or some other way that God communicates that there's something else going on. And what I mean by that is, as I referred to earlier, the Apostle Paul, when he says, he said he had a thorn in his flesh. He went to God about it. And he says, God, take this away from me. Three times he prayed this, intensely prayed, God, take this away from me. And the Lord spoke to him and said, Paul, my grace is sufficient for you. And I'm going to demonstrate my power through your weakness. And Paul walks away from this, okay, I got that then. I can deal with this. If God's power is going to be on display in my life because of it, hallelujah, I'm all right with that. So he got an answer. And my my point to you is let's be the kind of people who persevere in prayer for the sick until we get an answer either the physical healing or something else from God that makes it clear this is not something God's going to deal with right now does that make sense all right so if we should pray for people more than once and um, then why should I guess the question is why should we pray for the sick if we can't, you know, we don't have certainty. If it's not healing on demand, we don't have a certainty about, you know, when I pray, that person is going to be healed. Why should we pray? Well, we, we pray because God loves to heal sick people. Don't ever doubt that. Don't ever doubt that. 
Psalm 107 says, fools, because of their transgression, the Bible just called you a fool. You may not like that, but we are. Because of our transgressions, fools because of their transgression, and because of their iniquities, their sins, were afflicted. So our afflictions, our sicknesses, are the result, the direct result of our sins, the sin in this world, our race's rebellion against God. That's where sickness came from. Their soul abhorred all manner of food, and they drew near to the gates of death. Then they cried out to the Lord in their trouble, and he saved them out of their distresses. Get this. He sent his word. The Bible says Jesus is the word of God. John chapter 1. He sent his word and healed them and delivered them from all their destructions. Malachi chapter 4 verse 2 says, But to you who fear my name, the son of righteousness, that's Jesus, the son of righteousness shall arise with healing in his wings. God loves to heal sick people. So that's why we pray. And we pray because Jesus wants to continue his healing ministry through us. In Luke chapter 9, Jesus took his 12 disciples. He says, okay, guys, I'm going to send you out on a little mission trip here, a little ministry tour. Go to these various cities, and when you go, do this. Preach the good news about me. Heal the sick in my name and set bound people free. Demonically bound people free. So they go out and they do this. They come back to Jesus and they're just stoked because they've seen God do miraculous things. And so God says, oh, all right, all right. Now, he, said, he says, the rest of you, you know, probably even not, not everyone because he was always followed by lots of people, but this 12 he sent out and now he's going to send 70 more. He says, okay, all of you now, your turn. You go. Now go to these cities. Do the same thing. Preach the good news about me. Pray for the sick. Heal the sick in my name and deliver demonically bound people. They come back and they're so thrilled about what God has done and how he's moved miraculously through them. So, but it didn't stop there. Jesus sent the 12, then he sent the 70 to heal. And then in John chapter 14, verse 12, it says, Most assuredly, I say to you, Jesus says this, He who believes in me, that's most of us here. He who believes in me, the works that I do, he will do also. You will do also. And greater works than these will you do because I go to my Father. Jesus means for us to continue his ministry, preaching the good news, healing the sick, and delivering the demonically bound. He intends for us to continue his ministry. And so we pray for those reasons and one more before we wrap this up. We pray because we don't receive if we don't ask. John 16, 24 says, Until now you've asked nothing in my name. Ask and you will receive that your joy may be full. And in James chapter 4, verse 2, it says, You do not have because you do not ask. Dear ones, we have a God who loves to heal sick people. I want to make sure, and I want, I want this to be true of our congregation, that if someone is not healed, it won't be because we didn't pray and that we didn't pray confident in our God. This is recording number 11131 from the teaching ministry of Crossroads Foursquare Church in Fairfield, California. 
It was recorded on Sunday morning, November 16, 2014. This is the second message in a series by Randy Bolt titled, Four Square Gospel. This message is titled, Healer. 